0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. If you're new with us this morning, we're glad you're here. We have a gift for you. If you would stop by the Welcome Center, there is a book back there that was written by our lead pastor, Chris Marshall. And we would love for you to have a copy of that book, Lifestyle of a Christian we are in the middle of a series that we've been doing this summer called sit walk stand we're studying the book of ephesians and as you saw on the screen just now the apostle paul when he was writing this letter to the ephesians his whole purpose of the letter was that we would as christians learn to sit in god's presence to walk in his ways and to stand firm in the truth which is his son, Jesus Christ. Our lead pastor, Pastor Chris Marshall, is away for a few days, and he has asked me to bring the message. My name is Pastor Jane. I'm the care pastor here at New Life. Chris often introduces me as the oldest staff member at New Life. I, I take that. I shoulder that well. He is the senior pastor. I am the senior citizen. <laughs> senior citizen has its privileges and any of you who are 55 and older know that you can get coffee at a better price when you're a senior citizen and that's very important to me. Another thing that I enjoy is I get invitations to attend various events at Cumberland Woods Village. There's a theater at the Cumberland Woods Village, which is a retirement village in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. And they often do things like they show movies, and they have people come in and speak. This year, on July 5th, they had Dr. Paul Nussbaum, who is a neuropsychologist. He was there to speak on a new book that he has written. Now, he has written books about the brain and the magnificent power of the brain. He speaks all over the world. And, in fact, he lives in Treesdale. I had met him a couple times previously. Uh, But he has a new book out, and this is the title. What is the Purpose of Your Brain? Spiritual Healing and Salvation. Now, Dr. Nussbaum has quite a following of doctors, of lay people, um, just a lot of people who follow him and are very interested in his work. His new book talks about the possibility that perhaps God gave us this magnificent thing between our ears so that we would be more in his image, that we would be able to commune with him and with his son, Jesus Christ, and that we would be able to believe and express our faith and ultimately live according to the teachings of Jesus, that this magnificent brain would enlighten us to the spiritual things that God has for us through the power of his son, Jesus Christ. I was very interested in hearing his presentation. I went in and sat down, and ahead of me there were two ladies, and as they were getting settled in, the one woman was sharing with the lady next to her that she had just come back from the Himalayas. She goes many places and and spends time meditating and growing spiritually. And she made this comment... I'm anxious to hear what Dr. Nussbaum has to say about this, but if he starts talking about salvation, I'm walking out." Well, she did not leave. Dr. Nussbaum finished his talk, and she did not leave, but it just so happened that as we were leaving the auditorium, she was right ahead of me, and she did stop. And when she shook his hand, she said, I want you to know that that was a very good speech and I enjoyed it. I just think it would be better if you didn't make it so Christian and made it more universal. Dr. Nussbaum was very kind and very gentle as he explained to her that he is a Christian and he spoke the truth to her in love. They parted easily, gently, amicably. It went well. He spoke the truth in love. Today's message revolves around that very point. The scripture that we're going to emphasize today is in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, speaking the truth in love. Our take-home point... As you know, we try to give a take-home point, or if you're new, you don't know yet. We give you a take-home point, something that will stick with you and help you to remember what the message was, maybe give you strength and and help throughout the week. So the take-home point today is this. The ultimate sign of our growth as Jesus followers is we speak the truth in love. As I said, we're focusing on the book of Ephesians in the New Testament of the Bible. This letter was written by Paul to people who were already Christians, people who believed and were following Jesus, and he wrote it to encourage Christians to grow up in their faith, to not remain babies in the faith, but to grow, to to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit, to be grateful for their redemption that Jesus gave to them, and to use their gifts to serve one another. Imagine a letter that was written over 2,000 years ago that is just as relevant today as it was the day it was written to the church in Ephesus. We've completed the first three chapters, and today we'll be starting on chapter four. So if you brought your Bibles with you, it's Ephesians chapter four, verses one through 16. If you have your study guide, it starts on chapter 29. You can look it up on your cell phone, or we'll have it on the screen for you this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. Father God, we just thank you once again for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. We thank you, God, that we can worship you through music and through the word. Thank you, Jesus. As the song said, that we have you on our side. Our Savior is for us, and his love is victorious. I thank you for that this morning. And I pray this morning that as as we share the message and we hear from your word, that you would grow us deeper and deeper in relationship with you. That we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit and that we would begin to use our gifts more frequently for you to share the message of Jesus with the world one person at a time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's begin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I want to start by telling you that every one of you here, every one of us here has been called by God because God is, from the very beginning invites every one of us to be His child. We are called by God. He has a plan and a purpose for us. He desires to have a relationship with us. You are called. Whether or not you answer that calling is your free choice. Paul says, "Be worthy of that calling. In our last Bible se- in our last series, we did um, ask the pastors. We had a panel up here, and you could ask any questions that you wanted to ask. One of the big questions that was asked during that time was, why me? I am not worthy. Why does God love me? And during that panel that I happened to serve on that night, um, Pastor Chris and I both shared that the word worthy in the Bible used in this this way is a unit of measure. Worthy represented a scale the scale that hung on chains and had the two baskets on this side. I explained my mother used to take me to Wayne's meat market. We had a little meat market in downtown Franklin, Pennsylvania. Wayne would put a one-pound weight on this side of the scale, and then the basket would flip up this way as the weight weighted down this side. Wayne would put the ground beef in, and as it came closer and closer to being one pound, those baskets would line up and become in balance with one another. That is really the meaning of the word worthy in this situation. And so what Paul is saying is, as a follower of Jesus, we should live a life worthy, becoming more in balance with what Jesus has done for us. The very first thing we know about Jesus is he was sent to be our Redeemer, to redeem us from our sins, to give us back a relationship with God. So if Jesus redeems us, if he gives us a new life, if he gives us redemption and life eternal with him in heaven, on this side of the basket, at the very least, we should be able to lay in some gratitude. I was speaking to someone recently that said, everything in my life changed the day I stopped asking God for things and I started thanking him for things. Everything changed. Paul is telling us that there should be a balancing of gratitude that we display by living in a manner that is honoring and pleasing to our Heavenly Father. A thankful heart pleases God. Our behaviors are to model Jesus. Jesus often thanked God. He thanked Him before meals. He thanked Him for His disciples. Thankfulness was part of who Jesus was. If we want to be more like Jesus, our hearts will reflect the gratitude and the thankfulness that we have for him. Paul went on to say there's a few other things we can put on this side of the basket that'll help bring our lives into balance, our behaviors more Christ like. Let's go on and read verses two through six. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you have been called to the one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. One God, one Father, living through all. Paul tells us to be humble and gentle and that we're to be patient with one another. That's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? While it's impossible for us to ever balance that scale with humility and gentleness and patience and love, our behaviors can begin to model that more and more as we live through the power of God's Holy Spirit within us. Humility, for instance, can begin by listening more and speaking less. Not using as many I statements and listening to those who are speaking to us. Gentleness is power under control. I really like that. You know, I think men especially have this idea of gentleness and meekness as being negative things. I can't speak as a man, but I'm speaking for you today, guys. Because I think we have adopted the idea that meekness and gentleness isn't very manly. But we know that Jesus was meek and that Jesus was gentle, But he wasn't weak. He could have never gone to the cross and endured what he endured on our behalf had he been a weak man. He was a powerfully strong man. And we are to model that gentleness, which is indeed power under control. Not our control, the control of the Holy Spirit. Patience is holding your temper when everything inside you wants to let it fly. That one we all suffer from. Bearing one another in love, choosing to love, which means choosing to offer your best even with difficult people. If you're thinking, this is impossible, I could never live like that, you're right, none of us can do that on our own. On our own, it could never happen. But with the power of God living inside us, allowing him to live in you and through you, it is possible. Remember Pastor Chris's message last week? He gave us a wonderful visual image of our heart being Jesus' home. Remember the rooms in the heart and how each room had a different, a different area that needed to be turned over to God, perhaps? I think that it gives us a visual image of what happens when we become followers of Jesus. We ask him to be our Lord and Savior and he indeed dwells within us, lives within our heart. And then God is able, through his power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can even think or imagine. We will begin to use our gifting and do things that reflect Jesus to the world in ways that we have no idea we're gifted to do yet because God is working in us and through us. Our words and actions have the potential to reflect Jesus' presence and power in our lives more and more. But again, it is a choice because just as we choose to allow God to work in us and through us, we can choose to ignore that and act out on our own and choose our own behaviors. Let's look at verse three once again. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We are to make every effort to live in peace. We, as far as it depends on us, we are to try to live in peace. If the other person is escalating and and temperatures are rising in a situation, We have to try to not escalate with it. Choose. Choose our attitude. Choose a behavior that brings the situation down and under control. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, thank you that we are able to do that. Division is from the enemy. Paul is calling us to be united, that when we choose peace, We are united. We're united with God. We're united with each other. Division is so prevalent today. We have division in America. If you listen to the news this week, we're dividing more and more. Behaviors that are causing that division are greed and selfishness, bitterness, anger, impatience. Those are not the things that Jesus would have us to model, are they? Jesus encourages us to model the things that Paul talked to us about this morning, gratitude, humility, gentleness, patience, and Christ-centered love. Those are the things that are in line with living a life that reflects Jesus to the world. There's one body and one spirit, one God, over all, in all, and living through all, living through you and me if we let him. After Paul wrote about our behavior, he talked about the gifts that God continues to give us. The first gift we had was redemption. We're grateful for the redemption. The second gift is the gift of his Holy Spirit, Jesus being able to dwell in our hearts and live right in us. And now he's going to talk to us about other gifts that he has given to us. Verses 7 through 13 so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Through Jesus, God gave us the gift of redemption. Jesus sent us the comforter when he ascended into heaven after he went back. God's Holy Spirit to live and empower us within us. And now we learn that God gives specific gifts to each one of us to teach, to reach, and to encourage one another, to use your own gifting and talents for God. And there are so many gifts, we can't even begin to list them today. The gift of hospitality, the gift of, of giving someone a warm welcome, a hot cup of coffee, the gift of Visitation, going and sitting with people who aren't able to get out of their homes, the gift of prayer, to surround people with, with prayer and to intercede for them during times of difficulty. There are gifts of, of creativity and, and gifts of music. I could go on and on, but each of you, whatever things that you love to do in your life, the gifting that you have is a gift from God, and he wants you to be able to use that for him, to introduce Jesus to a world that does not know him and is hungry for him. Can you imagine rejecting a gift that was given or offered to you in love? When I was a teenager, my cousin Vicky moved back to Rocky Grove, Pennsylvania from Fresno, California. Never could figure out why in the world she was excited about moving back to Rocky Grove from Fresno, but she was very excited. Her father had made the Navy a career, and he was now retiring, and they were coming back home to be near family and to be a family again. Actually, they had never had the experience of being a real family because they traveled a lot, he was out to sea a lot, so they were coming home to be a family. It was Vicki's senior year of high school when her mom decided that this was not the life that she wanted, and she left the family, and she moved across Rocky Grove to the other side of the little village, and she bought a trailer and got a job and didn't maintain any contact with Vicky. Vicki would call her, and her mom never called her back. Vicki would go to visit, her mom wouldn't come to the door. Vicki got herself a little job after school, and on weekends she worked at Brown's Boot Store, which was downtown, and she began to save her money. She got her senior pictures taken, and she bought an 8x10 frame and framed an 8x10 senior picture of herself. She bought her mother a beautiful pair of slippers. She wrapped these gifts, and she drove over to her mother's home. She waited in her car until she saw her mother pull in and knew that she was home, and then Vicki went up on the porch and knocked on the door but no one answered the door. She waited for a little while. She knocked again. Still no one came. Vicki laid the gifts down in front of the door and went back to her car. She waited, and eventually the door opened. Her mother came out. She reached down and she picked up the gifts, beautifully wrapped. She walked over to the garbage can, lifted the lid, and threw the gifts in the garbage can. She replaced the lid, turned around, and went back in her trailer. To say that Vicki was heartbroken is an understatement. It's hard for us to imagine anyone being that hurtful, that they would reject a gift given in love, that they would reject the gift giver, but my friends, We do that to God. God is the ultimate gift giver, and many reject his gift. The lady that sat ahead of me at Dr. Nussbaum's speech. It's a spiritual world. All roads lead to the same path, she said to Dr. Nussbaum. It's hard for us to imagine. Paul absolutely could not understand it. And that is why his letter is so forceful. He could not understand people not wanting this precious gift. Paul, of all people, knew and understood the difference that Jesus made when he came into your life. You see, Paul had been Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was an eloquent speaker. He was a driving force in trying to put down this new religious movement that was going on. These followers of Jesus, he was gathering them and putting them in jail, breaking up families. In fact, he's on his way to Jerusalem to do that very thing, to get Christians and to imprison them and to squelch this uprising. He was present when people were stoned for their faith this same man on his way to Jerusalem has a close encounter with Jesus himself. Paul was transformed from a hater of the Christian movement to a fierce defender of the faith. Once Paul knew Jesus, he was so eager to tell others the truth and to equip them to stand firm in the truth. Yet many rejected Paul's message just like many reject it now. Not only is the gift rejected, but it's often watered down, compromised. We're led to believe that there are many paths that lead to heaven. Dr. Michael Youssef calls this the greatest lie. He said, people are being deceived and convinced that all roads lead to heaven, and we must stand firm in the truth. In the beginning, God created a perfect relationship with man. His plan was perfect. He gave us a very special gift at that time, free will. We still struggle with that power of free will, don't we? Just as back in the garden, we chose free will, we choose it today So God gave us the gift of his son so that we would have a way of coming back into communion with him in a perfect relationship, to be reborn. And he gives us that gift and asks us to join him. If you're not a believer today and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you can do that right now. You simply say, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are, Jesus, fill me. I give you my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And when you do that, everything Jesus is, is available to you. And if you are a believer today, I want to encourage you to become more and more aware of the gifts that God has for you that there is so much more. We don't ever want to stop growing in our relationship with God. The Spirit of God dwells within us. And when we receive our gifts gratefully and we begin to use them to grow and live and share the new life of Jesus with the world, He can do amazing things through us. Isn't that amazing? We don't do it on our own. He works through us to accomplish His purpose for the church. If that little phrase sounded vaguely familiar it's because our mission statement for New Life is simply this. New Life Ministries we exist to share, grow and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. God calls us, God empowers us, God unites with us and lives through us. Paul ends these benefits, these gifts, with a very powerful statement today. Look with me at verses 14 through 16. Why why do we need to stand strong? Why do we need to rely daily? Why do we need to sit in the presence of God and listen? Why do we need to be in His Word? Why is that so important? Can't we just, you know, pray as we go through the day? Why do we have to sit? and walk, and stand firm. Here's why. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I have two three-year-old grandsons. That's an awesome age. You've probably seen them here sometimes together. When the cousins get together, they play in this nice, big area. They both love to play superheroes. Frey is the younger of the three-year-olds. He's too much younger than Keon. And Frey has this very special, power, powerful stance. It's a superhero stance. I tried to get it right this morning because I didn't do it right last night. I understand it's the fist and this. I think I got it. I think I nailed it. So, one day when we were all here up front, Frey came toddling up, oh, he wouldn't like that. He came running up to Pastor Chris, and he went, and Pastor Chris went over backwards over the chairs. It was really funny. Everybody around was enjoying that, watching Pastor Chris fall over, this little superhero coming at him. Three-year-olds aren't afraid to go after people three and four times their size. And it was funny. Ten years from now, that won't be so funny. And 20 years from now, if Frey were to do that, it would be absurd. Spiritual growth and maturity is just as important To the Christian life, as emotional and physical growth is to children. Growing up in our gifting, growing up in our calling, balances those scales a little bit better to reflect Jesus to a world that needs to know Him. We can stand firm when we know the truth. Every week we give you a commitment. A commitment that we hope that you can say and commit to for one week. The commitment this week is this. I will live as a grown-up by speaking God's truth in love this week. I just want to refresh all of our memories this morning with what the truth is. Jesus gave us four truths in the book of John. The first one he gave us is this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will have eternal life. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the big one, John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Paul knew that unless new believers grew strong in their faith, knew the truth, and could stand firm in that truth, they would never be able to stand firm when the winds of change came. When false religions pushed up against them, they would not be able to stand firm. Paul's letter encourages us to sit, to sit in God's presence, and to listen to him, and to speak to him. To walk in his ways model his behaviors that he sent through Jesus and to stand firm when lies are being turned upside down and sideways and pushed at us. I love the sentence that's under our sit, walk, stand series. More than going through the motions. As your care pastor at New Life, I want more for you, more than going through the motions of being a Christian. I pray that you will be gifted in ways to reach out to one another and to this world, to share Jesus with the world one person at a time, that you will be amazed at what God can do in you and through you. We must stand true. We must stand firm in speaking the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And by doing so, we will stand against our enemy, the devil. As we sit, walk, and stand, we must do so in the same love that Jesus uses with us. Our truth will not be heard unless we wrap it in Jesus' love And our love will not be understood unless it's presented in the truth of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, again, I thank you for our time together. I thank you, God, that you love us so much, that you are so patient with us, that your mercy and your grace never end, that each morning we get a fresh start with you, I thank you, God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit that empowers us to live this life, this life of gratitude for all that you have done for us and all the things that you are yet going to do in us and through us. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.